Life isn't about preventing negative things from occurring. Life is about choosing the perspective that you take to get through that experience. Hey friend, it's David Abinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. So excited for this conversation with Chris Shembra. Chris is the founder of 747, a client engagement and team building company. As you may recall, I worked with Chris in the summer of 2020 through early 2021, which we talk about on this episode. Uh, Chris is the author of his second and new book called Gratitude Through Hard Times. This is a special first time for me live podcast recording event, which was super special. And you'll hear a few questions from some people that are attending event, uh, which I think is really cool. And I'm excited for you to hear it. In this episode, you'll learn about Chris pivoting his company during the pandemic from an in-person business to a virtual business, uh, how to get early customers, gratitude, writing the second book, and a very personal story and journey Chris shares as well. An incredible conversation. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and front source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Chris in this live episode. A lot of things I, I could say here, but one thing that I, uh, I think Chris loves is dates. Remembering dates and details. April 7th, 2020. Oh, wow. What is, um, I think around that time, there was another book. Um, and I think it'd be just an interesting way to start off of kind of in the beginning, how things were going in the beginning of the pandemic yeah. and um, as a way to kind of kick things off. Thanks, man. What a great question. Um, Dave, I'm so honored to be coming back on this podcast because there's really, you know, there's not a lot of people on this planet that care about the human condition like David Nabinsky. And every conversation you'll ever find with him will be filled with curiosity and empathy and great anecdotes and, and, and funny dates. Funny things will occur. Um, April 7th, 2020. Yeah, kicking it off. Um, yeah. There was a book before this book. It was called Gratitude and Pasta, The Secret Sauce for Human, con uh, human Connection. So what had happened was, um, back in 2015, I found myself, like most of us, um, my life looked pretty good on paper. I had a good job. I was in a good career path. I was in a different industry. Uh, I was in the theater industry. But one day I realized that just because a life looks good on paper doesn't mean it feels good in the heart. How many times do we actually stop and realize we're miserable on the inside? And, and in that misery, I just got back from producing a Broadway play in Italy back in 20, actually today, seven years ago, July 15, 2015, I realized I was lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure, and, you know, life wasn't what it was cracking up to be with this, this career path. And I thought, what was it about Italy that changed my life? Was it how they walked? No. Was it how they talked? Mm-hmm. Is that how they honored history? No, it's how they ate. Specifically, it's how they ate amongst community. And I said, I got to recreate this magic of Rome in New York City. What am I going to do? I'm going to invent a pasta sauce recipe. 
and I'm going to feed it to people to see if it's even good or not. And that's what began this amazing journey around the dinner table with pasta sauce, making everybody cry, having a good time. We've done it with a lot, a lot of people ever since. So what we did was we got good at feeding people. We got good at making people cry around the dinner table. And we said, let's write a book about it. And so we wrote the book. You know, we did that thing. I grabbed my dad. We sailed off to Europe to show Europe what, what she had inspired in us. And when we're cruising around Italy, my mom and Molly are calling up saying, there's this new thing in Milan called COVID. You should get back home. So we land on February 28th, 2020, and hole ourselves up in quarantine, not knowing what's to come. We get out of quarantine. I'm optimistic about the world because April 7th is this big book launch for our new book that Forbes called the number two book of the year to create human connection. We were on a roll. And you all know what happened. COVID. So what the heck is the use of a book about pasta sauce in the dinner table in the middle of a global pandemic? And so April 7th, the day that we should have been celebrating and touring the country and doing all these kind of things, bloop, the opposite occurred. Revenue went to zero. All our clients, except Galen Hare, canceled on us. We had to let a few people go. We had to pause operations. The book kind of went on the shelf. And there I was, lonely, overwhelmed, nervous, cautious, anxious, just like all of us saying, what the heck am I going to do next? And, I th- <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and, and then I think, uh, I, I think what I wanted to talk about was how you then kind of created a new product yeah. and you found your first customer, I think was Baruch College. Oh my gosh. Baruch College. Right. Well, so there was a step before we found the clients. So, so right, April 7th happens. And we're like, oi, what is life going to look like now? This sucks. And But the more we looked around and the more I started talking to Jonathan and David and listening to the what our community was actually going through, we said, oh, my God, I'm not the only one who feels lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure, nervous, cautious, anxious, completely disconnected and overwhelmed. We should do something about that. I mean, we don't have the dinner table. We don't have pasta sauce, but we still got gratitude, right? And so pivoted to virtual, started hosting virtual gratitude experiences. And man, these things just, they kept on happening. It was like night after night, 50 to 100 people would show up on Zoom and we'd cry and we'd do breakout groups and we connect yeah, a lot of good stuff was happening. So during people's darkest hour, we were using gratitude to find a little bit of connection. And then David and I kind of reconnected in a meaningful way. David has a way of inserting himself into one's life and saying, so what's going on? What's next for you? What are you doing? You know, those kind of things. We all know how David does that so well. And he kind of like, he set a game plan. He's like, well... You know, it sounds like you got a lot of people to reach out to. What if we uh, spent a month doing some gratitude sparring? And we got on the call every day, and we made a list of people that you got to reach out to. He just reached out and gave them gratitude. I was like, okay, let's do it. And so a momentum began. We started reaching back out to our corporate clients, and 
companies realized their people were in a really lonely, dark time, and they started buying our virtual gratitude experiences. So what was originally one of the worst things that had ever happened to our company ended up being the best thing that ever happened to our company because it gave us scale, gave us impact, and it uh, you know gave us a, a fresh new perspective. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know how David will reach out and be like, "So, what's really going on in your life? How can I support?" So, uh, the line that I was trying to draw there was um, uh, was hired, this idea. David was this idea around kind of creating a product from scratch, and mm. um, to the entrepreneurs and the builders and the freelancers that are here. Um, talk to us about how like you, you sold something that didn't really exist. Um, and, and exactly <laughs> like, what, what would you say to someone that's like bringing a new product to the market or like, I think you did a really good job of, again, like creating a product from scratch and being able to sell it, but there was no real like thing. Yeah. So how do, how do you think, uh, how do you think you did that? Uh, definitely failed forward. You know, I, we didn't wait for the product to be perfect. We just threw it out there and, and, you know, hope that, I mean, I mean, you even, I'll get to that in a sec with like Citibank and the second coming of Citibank, but it's, um, look, all of us in here, we've got like the ability within us to create something, to like, to pursue something, to, to start something. Um, an artist Jackson Brown once said, I write in order to understand what I think. So sometimes you just got to fucking do it in order to understand how much you actually know about building something like this. And us creatives, when we do the right things, when we like go for it, we access this like super conscious part of ourselves that is really where like the genius of something lies. And so I just think that with the pressure cooker that the pandemic was and the need to get this product out to the market, we couldn't afford to wait until it was perfect for it to get out there. I mean, our first one sucked. I think you were on the first one. We didn't even use gratitude. It's like we're missing the whole boat. We bootstrapped it. And then by the second and third, it just kept on getting better. Even when we would go out and sell this to companies, it wasn't perfect. We get this horrific feedback. Like, what was the point? He talked too much. He told too many stories. You could have done this later. Um, and so we were just like constantly learning. And then I think the second, you know, the second secret was to tell a story and to tell a story that allowed the client to connect to whatever you were trying to build. And I think that it was a really unique opportunity for me to bring my vulnerability. You know, when, when, you, when you build something and you're on top of the world and life is good, you, you're on top of your own world. Like, life is good and woo, the sunshine, it's all shining. Like, that's not a point of connection. You kind of have to get knocked down and feel that pain in order to authentically connect with others in like a truly meaningful, memorable way. Kurt Vonnegut actually did a study about this in the 1960s. And what he, what he studied was a bunch of movies and TV shows and plays on what made these narratives successful. And he found that a movie could take essentially one of six narrative arcs. The most popular or most successful box office per movie success rate was when the narrative followed what's called the man in the hole. So the protagonist is going along and he falls, falls in a hole and then he comes out of it and he's better than ever before. 
you guys can think of those movies, right? Like the protagonist is just like a normal dude or a dudette, and then he falls down and he comes out better. So when you can communicate the pain and what you built down in that dark place, other people can relate to like the darkness in their life and when they were in that moment, and then they want to be part of that journey. They want to be part of your journey. Just give them the opportunity. Tell the story to allow them to come in. Like people want to help. I'm really optimistic about humans. <laughs> like people want to help when you when you share how much like pain you've gotten through and what you've learned and how you're trying to bring that out to the world. They want to support your your journey, even if the product is imperfect. Yeah. Fucking white claw. We'll probably edit that part uh, about the white claw. It's Rena's fault. Um, but um, all right, and so so then you talked about growth, and so you know things were starting to pick up, um, things were going really really well. Um, you're interested in writing this other book called Gratitude Through Hard Times, um, and then and then I would say the fall and winter of 2021 happened. Um, are you uh, feel comfortable talking about? Totally. Uh, okay. I mean, it's in the book. <laughs> so, December thirtieth, twenty twenty one, Thursday. So, yeah. So we launched this product, and it grew grew really quick, and we got to serve a lot of good people. We had a really good time, and that brought us into early twenty twenty one. You know, I'm sitting at my dad's hospital bed. He was he almost. He almost didn't make it because of COVID. And then he was back in the hospital with blood clots. I'm sitting down next to him. And I'm like, what's my dad's legacy? It's not like his real estate empire. It's not like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's his writing. You know, it's the stuff outside of his work. It's the stuff at which he could bring his thoughts on, you know, life learning and positive mental attitude and goal setting and all this kind of good stuff. And I said, man. This is like a wake-up call. I got to go write another book and, and like honor his legacy while he's still alive. So we set off to write the book. And it was a unique writing process because we hired... So this is a unique lesson. We hired a writing team that we were familiar with but wasn't necessarily invested in the project. So the, the writing team that we hired was a similar writing team that helped us write our first book. And we had a level of familiarity and emotional depth and connection, but she didn't necessarily like, we couldn't see eye to eye on the Mm. project. And so there was great uh, strife in the relationship for most of 2021. I mean, we would sit down to write this thing and we would be spinning our wheels and it kind of went nowhere. And it was a great period of frustration. And her dad died in December of 2021, the, the lead writer on the team. Her dad died, and it's one of the people that we dedicated the book to, Scott Stibitz. And when Scott died, I looked at Sarah and said, Sarah, you know, what did you learn about your dad's legacy through his death? She said that he really lived his life on his own, on his own accord. I said, he really lived his life on his own accord. What parts of your life are you not living on your own accord? How do you, Sarah, need to start living more in line? And she started tearing up and she couldn't say the words. And I had to finish the sentence for her. I said, Sarah, we need to break up, don't we? You're done ghostwriting other people's projects, aren't you? She said, yep, I'm done. I said, great. A lot of time, a lot of money, out the door. Fuck. Thursday, December 30th, 2021. 
4.30 p.m., I'm on a call with Lisa Penn from SAP, one of our clients out there. And she says, Chris, you don't look too hot. We're 30 minutes into an hour-long Zoom call. And she said, Chris, we should, we should probably end this Zoom call early. It's like, end this Zoom call early? What do you mean? Like, I take pride in showing up for my clients. Like, what? She said, yeah, you look like shit. Let's hang up. So we hung up, and I went to meditate. I was like, what's going on? Noted. Molly and I had a lot to celebrate. We just bought a home around the block. She just got a new job. Things are going well, right? Life looked good on paper. Let's go out and celebrate. And so we went to Lure Fish Bar in Soho, and we're sitting at the bar, <laughs> sitting at the bar, having a good time, and uh, all these different people start buying us drinks. Uh, I don't know, we're talkative people, and so they start buying us drinks, and the drinks are flowing, and push comes to shove. I drink a little bit too much. And I do uh, say an inappropriate thing of which I'm not proud of, and we get into a fight. And we fight the whole cab ride home. We get home, and I feel like the biggest piece of shit on this planet. So I go to the kitchen, my safe space, right next to the pasta sauce, and I whip out the biggest kitchen knife I could find. And I go to the arm, and I go, shaboom, the whole way around in the most dangerous of places. For those of you who are listening without video, yes, I went to that place. Luckily for me, the deepest part of the cut was over the muscle, and the lightest part of the cut was over the point of no return. Now, I didn't want to end my life, but it was a cry out for help. It was me yelling in pain because I wasn't equipped to deal with it ad adequately. It's called non-suicidal self-injury, NSSI. Many of you probably know cutters, burners, self-injurers. It's a thing. I've been doing it since I was a kid. I just never had a name for it. So the next morning, Molly flies off to go be home with her family. Her dad had just had a heart attack in Detroit, Michigan. And I'm left alone in our apartment in New York City. I'm watching Nancy Myers movies on repeat, bawling my eyes out. I'm walking down the street and seeing a stray cat bawling my eyes out. I cut a lemon and I bawl my eyes out. I can't figure out what is broken. And I finally talk to my friend Scott, my best friend Scott. And I say, Scott, what's wrong with me? He said, man, nothing's wrong with you, brother. You just got a lot of things going on in your life. Good things. But you can't see the clearing through the forest. You appreciate None of it. I was like, holy shit, I appreciate none of it, but I'm the gratitude guy. I'm supposed to appreciate it, right? I hung up with the phone with Scott. I sat down and I wrote my 35-page introduction. I realized in that moment that I had become the most modern victim of the plague of ingratitude. The plague of ingratitude. Um, and so, so through this dark time, then you found, I think a connection to now writing this book mm -hmm. and and you've now called it uh what's it called positive benefit finding positive benefits through hard times yeah what's the positive benefit oh, checklist oh yes can you walk us through sure sure so 
you know, when I realized that I was chock full of ingratitude, that I, yeah, I was good at giving gratitude to Jeremy or Jonathan or David, but I sucked at giving gratitude to myself. I realized that I wasn't the only one who has gone through this. And if you look throughout the history of time, you have ancient Stoics that talk about um, the plague of ingratitude. You've got modern day philosophers like Ryan Holiday and Mark Manson talking about ingratitude. Um, they take a countercultural approach to well being. So instead of them diving into like the positive things in your life, they aim to help destigmatize the negative. And that was really pioneered by a man named Philip Watkins, a researcher out of Eastern Washington University, who coined a term called grateful processing. If you could process a negative autobiographical experience from your past by finding the positive benefits in them and giving gratitude to them, you can help heal tremendous things. And so this, this, this theory of positive benefit finding is a revolutionary breakthrough in, in the world of positive psychology. And so we latched onto it. And they found that the more positive benefits you could find in a negative autobiographical experience, the less uh, prone you are for something to become post-traumatic stress and the more it's able to become post-traumatic growth. And so what we did was we, we, we combined a lot of different people's research on benefit finding scales and positive benefit charts and this and this and this. And so we created an 11 point positive benefits checklist. And what we found out is that if you can find positive benefits on a score of one to 11 on our 11 point benefit checklist scale, if you can at least score one out of 11, you can be grateful to that memory. So here's an example. Non-suicidal self-injury almost took my life. So let's weigh now seven months out of it. Let's weigh that experience on the positive benefits checklist. Number one, did it teach me empathy? Yeah. I can understand the feelings and perspectives of other people in my similar situation and use that knowledge of their experiences to guide my actions. Did it teach me appreciation? Yeah, it kind of taught me that I'm an ungrateful fart head and, uh, and uh, you know, I need to appreciate more things. Did it teach me compassion? Yes. I now am more attentive and want to give more with my heart and attention to those who are in a similar situation. Did it bring my family closer? It did. Did it give me a community to connect closer to? Yes, it gave me a, a NSSI community and the amount of people who have written in saying you and I have a lot more in common than we think was huge. Did it give me self-efficacy or self-confidence? Yes, it taught me that I could be a Nancy Myers crying my eyes out, miserable piece of hoo-ha, and I can pick myself out of it. Therefore, whatever negative thing happens next, I can get through as well. Did it inspire a positive lifestyle change? Yes. I went on to lose now 28 pounds since my, uh, my thing. Yes, round of applause. <laughs> um, I went on to lose 28 pounds since my NSSI episode. Did it give me material gain? Yes. I had my most profitable month of our company in January. Because 
once you're that close to something that detrimental, you look at the rest of your life and say, screw it. I'm going for it. Increased our prices, work less, made an exponential amount more profit. Because we didn't give a care. We'd already flown to the sun and back and survived. Getting said no to in a business context? <laughs> Stupid. So on the, and I forget the last two. Last two, that's not two, that's three. Um, so I forget. So from there, I've scored like a nine out of 11, or nine out of nine right there. What did I miss? Faith and people. Faith and people. Yes. It did that. What was the next one? Positive self-view. Yeah, that one too. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Anyways. So I can say I am grateful that I almost didn't make it out of my non-suicidal self-injury because it gave me empathy, appreciation, compassion, positive self-view, and it gives me a story to tell. Gave me the introduction of my book. For that, I'm grateful. And it's when you can look into your life and know life isn't about preventing negative things from occurring. Life is about choosing the perspective that you take to get through that experience, right? Life is not about roses. Like this, you know, this, uh, you know, the woo-woo, like, hey, every, uh, grateful for the sunshine. Woo-hoo, the flowers. Yeah, like, I'm not that guy. I'm saying, like, yo, I can survive this thing, and so can you. You just have to reframe your perspective of it. Um, I would love to hear if anybody else has some questions about gratitude, about book writing. If you want to come up and... or. Mike, if John, oh, <laughs> Jonathan. Um, so I find your book really interesting. I, I find a lot of things <laughs> about you <laughs> interesting. You're an interesting guy, Chris. Um, but w one of the things I find particularly interesting about this book is um, it reminds me of a question that a guy called Tim Ferriss, probably heard of him. Uh, he asks on his on his podcast. One of the questions he asks is, if you could donate one book uh, to a friend of yours a close friend of yours, which book would that be, right? I always thought that was a really dumb question because it's like, if I've got a favorite book, I'm not going to give it away. Usually I only have one copy. But, <laughs> but I started thinking of that question with your book because I'm like, actually, this is a great book to give away because to me, like, without sound, trying to sound dramatic, I think this book can save lives. It has the tools to help people through really shitty times. Um, so... <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, like, was that, to me, to me, this is like the, like the quintessential book to give away to people because maybe they won't find it helpful, but they'll give it to a friend who will find it helpful. Is that something you thought about or was that intentional, unintentional? Thank you, buddy. Um, yeah, for, for those who are listening without the verbal, I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. You know, that's the goal. You know, impact is the goal. And, you know, I, I know what it's like to feel like I'm the only one going through something on this earth. Do you guys feel that? You ever think, God, I think I'm the only person going through this thing. I'm the most lonely person on the planet probably. We all go through it. And, and, and... And, and so I won't go down a full path. I'm going to go straight to answering your question. Um, did I write it that way? No, we just started writing. 
we just wrote about what we knew. And, uh, you know, luckily, luckily we paired with a great partner in Court Roberts who helped design all the questions that are in the book. And so each different subsection of the book is like a micro intervention. It's like a, it's like a three question thing that you can just pick up any chapter and like, it'll make you think. And boy, Jonathan, have the stories come in. I mean, it's, it's like every hour of the day, a new story comes in of someone saying, you know, this is how it turned my life. It's only been three weeks. I mean, I was walking here and I get a, I get a call. I get an email from a guy who sold his company, I think like three years ago. I think we had him on the podcast. Um, I don't know who to turn to for that right now, but uh, <laughs> his name's his name's Mike Kays, and he and he essentially uh, he said, "Dude, like I haven't been living since I sold my company, and he sold a big company, very big company, and he said this is making me completely learn how to process." whatever trauma I've been sitting with, whatever emptiness I've been sitting with since doing that. Friends of ours, Karen, reached out and said um, she's learned to be grateful for her um, concussive symptoms of something that happened to her eight months ago where she doesn't have any taste. I mean, like the stories they pour in. So was that the intention? No. You know, I sat, I think... I think the majority of the emotion in the book comes in through that introduction. I think the introduction hits very hard, but that's because I was able to sit down and write when my friend Scott just said one thing. Um, does that answer the question? I mean, I mean, look, by the way, like you use the word donate. Like it's not lost on me. That's my favorite word in the world. I didn't write this book to make money. I spent a hell of a lot of money to get this book out, to give away. You know, we, we've, we've given away so many copies of this book because that's the goal, impact, that's it. And so if you're listening to this, I, want, I literally want you to think, who needs this message? And reach out to me. David's gonna put my, my information in the show notes below. But reach out to me and give me the address of someone who needs this book now more than ever. I just met up with a friend the other night, two nights ago or something, and she comes in and she says, I'd like you to sign my book to my friend Jan. I said, what's Jan going through? Oh, this is what Jan's going through. She's at the worst moment of her life. This book is going to help her. That's the most meaningful thing that I could ever hear. If you could give me 10,000 people to give away this book to, I will. That's my goal in life. I don't give a shit about selling this thing. The ebook's priced at 99 cents. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it for the impact. Um, so if you're listening to this, please think about those people. They're hiding in plain sight. Think about the happiest, most secure, strongest person that you know. They're probably broken on the inside. But have you taken the time to ask them how they really are doing? They need your help. Uh, I think, so you started your story talking about how you found a lot of gratitude towards other people and community in your life, but didn't have a lot of gratitude towards yourself. And I think now that you've found more of that gratitude for yourself, I'm curious how, if at all, it's changed your relationship to gratitude for people around you. Mm. That's a good question, my racket friend. Just because I know how to give gratitude to myself doesn't mean that I practice it on a consistent basis. Um, 
you know, human beings as a whole have a, an extreme propensity for dissatisfaction in one's life. Either that they're dissatisfied because they've yet to achieve a goal they've always wanted to achieve, or they're extremely dissatisfied because they've just accomplished a goal that they've always wanted to achieve, and they say, what now, right? And so what happens when you have that level of dissatisfaction, you're trying to keep yourself in motion to distract yourself from the malevolent feelings of ingratitude. And I'm actually sitting in that right now. I mean, that book, right? That was a that was a thing. It was a big chapter in our life. Hit the number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. I should have a lot to celebrate right now. Right now I'm thinking, is that the thing I was meant to bring into the world? Or was that the hero's journey that's meant to reveal what I'm really supposed to bring into the world? These are what keep me up at night, every night. So how does this, how does this impact the way I view gratitude towards others? When I'm in a period of doubt on what's next, I've oftentimes not leaned on this superpower, but I've actually decided this week to lean on it now. Don't worry about what's coming next. Turn around and go give gratitude to every single person that deserves thanks and attention. And I've never had a greater hunger for giving gratitude to others than when I'm in a great period of dissatisfaction. But it took me going there in order to understand that hunger. And I think that that's a new type of relationship to gratitude to others that I haven't felt in a long, long, long time, if ever. Thank you for that. Uh, Taylor? Taylor. All right. Well, David knows I love words so much. Oh, my God. And so when Jonathan mentioned this question of what book would you let someone borrow, one of the first books I thought of was the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, which my favorite my favorite word Sonder comes from, but also ah. a word called watashiato, uh, which is the curiosity about the impact you've had on the lives of the people you know, wondering which of your harmless actions or long-forgotten words you might uh, might have altered the plot of their stories in ways you'll never get to see. It's so interesting because, Chris, you've allowed people to shine that light on the impact all the people around them have had. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious, as someone who's fascinated by the stories of strangers, if there's one story in particular where someone who underwent the process of sharing gratitude through 747 or through just hearing about your book shared that gratitude with someone else and you heard about how impactful that story of, of sharing that gratitude with that other person was. Of course. Great question. You know, first of all, I'm the worst, I got the worst memory in the world. So I can never remember these things. Maybe Molly, Molly, do you, uh, do you know your better memory than I am? Um, it's, um, God, Taylor, that's a great question. It, the answer is yes. <laughs> That's not how to answer the question, but the answer is yes. Um, I mean, on on on, you're as intimate with this material as I am. Do you do you do any stories? Uh, <laughs> do you any stories? It's it's golly. I mean, what what about the bo boat story? Is it Patrick? Is that or is the, that something the different? Fear, the the well, that's his friend. He came in all angry, and because Patrick shared gratitude with him, oh, then he felt more willing to want to resign Patrick as a client. 
I guess it's more business-based. No, um, hold on. I, I'm going to have an answer to this. An, an example that I could probably say is, and I got to be like super vague about it, just someone reaching back into their past and thanking. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know what happened. So, so we, we had a gal come to a thing one time. What a vague fucking answer. We had a gal came to a thing one time. Um, we had a gal came to a thing one time. And when we, when we asked this question, she said, you know, I've never thought to thank my mother. My mother kicked me out of the house when I was 15 with like two of my siblings and I had to raise myself and be the older sister to my two siblings. But now my mother is actually a great and amazing grandmother to my kids. And I know she went out and thanked her mother, but I don't know what came to it or came of it. I mean, we've had people healing broken relationships. I mean, I, I mean, uh, we write about one thing. Uh, we write about one story in our book about the time we, we, we went out west and, and, and we took over Tom Jones's house. He's an old singer. He's got some good songs. And we put on a whole series of dinners out there. And one night, uh, the actual guy who was paying for it all came to me and said, hey, can I invite my co-founder Todd? Um, I haven't talked to him in a long time. We're kind of in a fight right now. But can I invite him to the dinner? It's like, sure, let's do it. So... Todd and Zach had founded a company called Pup Socks. It literally puts like your puppy on your sock and he sells that to you. And he somehow went from like zero to 40 million in online sales in 18 months. So like the dude knows how to make money. And they had this booming business and then they just beep, fell out of, fell out of range, disagreed with a lot of fundamental things. They hadn't talked in such a long time. And he, he invited him to the dinner. Zach sat next to my buddy Ron Carson. Todd was over in left-hand quarter next to Cam Fordham. And when it came time for Zach to give gratitude, we ask a pretty specific question of pretty much everything we do. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? And Zach talked about Todd. And Zach cried, and then Todd cried, and they got up and they hugged. You thought they had a good company then? Now they got 500 employees and they've got like a couple hundred thousand square feet of warehouse in Atlanta. They are monsters. They don't travel anywhere together without each other anywhere anymore. They don't do anything without each other anymore. And they've just like quadrupled their business. They're monsters. And it happened right there at the dinner table. So maybe that's an example. I mean, I had... Oh, okay. Okay. I think it's like it just it even like goes back to that word of like maybe the beauty in it is that you don't know all of those stories, but you know that they're happening, and it's happening. that is what's really beautiful about it is the ripple effect. So yeah, yeah you totally answered it. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Well, I think. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> we'll, we'll um. Um, I'm not done. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll continue the conversation, but um, where can people learn more about the, um, the book and, and stay in touch with you, Chris? Look, if you're listening to this and you agreed with anything we said here tonight, I want you to go out and act on it. That's my expectation of you. I've, I, 
I'm optimistic about the human condition. If you know people who need this book more than you could ever know, reach out to me. Email me, chris at 747club.org, and I'll send you a copy of this book. Please. It's my life's mission. Um, bad things are going to happen in your life. They are. There's no sugarcoating it. But how you choose to respond to that and the perspective you take about those actions is what will dictate your life. And there's some principles in this book to help you develop a positive mental attitude, even in the greatest face of adversity. And you might find some connection by talking about those things. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you read this book with a pen. Maybe not a Sharpie, but um, with a pen. And, uh, you know, answer the questions, answer the prompts. You never know the power of one question to change your entire perspective on everything. Um, So Chris at 747club.org. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.